Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever thought you were reaching the end of a journey, but instead found out that you had an even longer road ahead than you thought? In today's message, Pastor Jim teaches about how Jacob had to flee his home after receiving his father's blessing. He left behind everything he had ever known, but the Lord honored Isaac's blessing and was with Jacob. As you listen to today's message, remember that God will protect you and He will reveal Himself to you as you follow in obedience. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Genesis chapter 28 as he begins his message, Grace That Is Greater Than Our Mistakes. In previous studies in Genesis, we saw uh, what often happens when we try to help God out with his plan. Any of you ever try and help God out? Yeah, that's a, not a good idea. And uh, also we talked about when we take the other guy's shortcuts, those don't turn out so well either. We begin the transition fully into the life of Jacob. Jacob, as we will see, is, he's a work in progress, quite a character, quite a schemer. But let's be honest, this was how he was raised. His mother had been told by the Lord that though he was not the oldest of the twins, he would get all the rights of the firstborn, he would get the blessing of the firstborn, and, but she couldn't wait. She was like, okay, God, you know, hurry it up, hurry it up. You ever get like that with God? None of you do. You're so spiritual. It's, it's amazing. This is why I'm the pastor, so I have to study the Bible to realize how unspiritual I am. And so, so she's just, she just can't wait. And so she tricks her husband, Isaac, into believing that, because uh, Isaac has his own plan. He wants to make the older son get the blessing and the firstborn. So she, they trick him. And so Jacob goes to his blind father, dressed up like his brother Esau. Remember, he put all that hairy stuff all over himself. We saw that last week to get his father's blessing. And in chapter 27, which we covered last week, I just want to go through the, just the end of the chapter with the consequences of what they did. Look at verse 41 of chapter 27. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. So he knows his father's going to be dying soon. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. That's a bad relationship, wouldn't you say? I think he's a little upset maybe about what happened. And so, and the words of Esau, uh, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending or planning to kill you. So, well, what does that mean? She's going to pray, right? Nope, time for another plan. Here we go. She's got another plan. Now, therefore, my son, verse 43, obey my voice, arise. Flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Now, Laban is going to be a lot of fun. And stay with him a few days, just a few days. Long weekend, right? Until, uh, until your brother's fury turns away. Another version says, until his anger subsides. Just a little side note, it will be 20 years. <laughs> That's a long weekend, Verse 45, until your brother's anger, rage turns away from him and he forgets that you have what you have done to him. Well, first off, do you think he's going to forget? And you think Jacob would be like, uh, mom, excuse me, time out. It was your idea. I know you just said what I did to him, but it was your idea. I just followed your plan. And she says, then I will send and bring you home from there. 
why should I be bereaved also of you or lose you both in one day? What she means by that is I won't be able to stand the pain of my husband Isaac dying and you dying the same day. Verse 46, and Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, the local one of the local women like Esau was doing, like these who are of the daughters of the land, if he takes the, some of these women that live around here, what good will my life be to me? So what does she do? She knows what Esau's plan is. She gives Isaac an excuse why she is sending Jacob away. She plays upon his fears. So chapter 28, verse 1 and 2, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him or commanded him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Another version just puts it really bluntly. Do not marry a Canaanite woman. When they were, when they were going to the promised land, they were constantly being told by God, Do not marry those women. Do not. Uh, and Esau already had bad wives. So he says, verse 2, Arise, go, and the idea is go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So it's time for Jacob to leave the promised land. It's time for him to go out and search for a godly wife, or at least one that mommy says is okay. Now, it might be fair to say it's time for Jacob to grow up. You know, he's kind of been a mama's boy. He's got to grow up. And a Canaanite wife would be the absolute worst possible thing that he could do. Just a- absolutely terrible, that thing that he could do. And so instead of, it's interesting, instead of mentioning the deceit, what does, what does Isaac do? He just says, okay, it's time for you to go. He doesn't, he doesn't bring it up to him. And, and he says, I'm going to send you to the land where Abraham sent his servant and found your wife. So you're going to go back to, to where uh, my servant went, and, and uh, where Abraham sent and found, found Rebekah. And he's going to marry his cousin. And so this is what we call cross-cousin marriage, which to us, we're like, ew. Um, but very common uh, in many cultures, actually, and in the ancient world. How Abraham, however, Abraham sent um, his servant with other men. Again, it was, I'm sorry, I want to say it's to find a wife for Isaac. So he's going to go to the same place to find a wife for Isaac. And Abraham sent his servant with many other men as well. He has camels. He had gifts. He had a lot of money for the bride's family. So he's like, go get, a, go get you know, no Canaanite women. Abraham says, go bring my son Isaac back a good wife. Uh, and she brings back Rebecca. And so, you know, I'm going to give you a lot of gifts to give. But Jacob goes out by himself. He's got nobody with him. He's got no gifts. And to be honest, he's probably walking through there going, how am I going to make it back alive? I mean, I have absolutely nothing here. I don't know what's going on. And it will be difficult, um, a difficult path for Jacob. But it's often that way for a follower of Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not a follower, we're, we're glad that you're here. If you've got any questions, see me after the study or see Pastor John after the study or any, maybe a lot of the people here will be happy to help you with something. But it's important for Jacob to remember that God is with him. That's what he has to remember. Now, there's a little problem with that, which we'll, we will get to uh, in just a moment, but it's very, very important that, that he remembers that. Verse 3, now Isaac is 
seemingly ready to die, but he kind of steps up to the plate now after all this time. And he says, may God Almighty, verse three, bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be in assemblies of peoples. If you have your own Bible, you might want to circle that term, term. It's a very interesting term. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger. So he says, I'm putting this blessing on you that you're going to get the land where you're leaving right now. (laughs) Uh, The promised land, which God gave to Abraham, verse six. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So that's just sort of the bottom line of where he's get to. He's not gonna get there tonight. So Isaac passes the blessing that was given to Abraham onto Jacob, yet he adds something very interesting that Abraham specifically wasn't told, and he says that you may be an assembly of peoples. Now, this goes beyond just a large group of people. It it is an assembly in the New Testament. The word for it is ecclesia, which is the word we use for, for church, So it is a large assembly of people. It speaks of a community of people. So what is he saying to him? God is going to give you or go through you for the birth of a nation. The Israelites are going to to come from your nation. And as we'll see as we go on, he's got quite a number of sons. Now, if you've been with us, if you haven't, just got to... You know, just think of a guy dressing up as Wolfman Jack, if you know who he is, uh, to, to deceive his father when he's blind because he's going to cheat him out of the blessing. I mean, how nice is that, right? You know, redo, your, redo your will, Dad. Just sign here. Uh, it's, it's what you wanted. Trust me. And so um, looking at this family and all its issues, all we can say is this is amazing grace. This is a family who you would probably drive down the road, take your horse down the road and be like, son, do not end up like the Isaac family, (laughs) right? That is not gonna be good. On the other hand, I think for all of us, it should be such a great encouragement. It's not too late for you. It's not too late. God is still at work. So Isaac has finally changed. He's about to die but it's never too late. But I would say this to you, don't put it off. A lot of people say, well, I'll just put it off till another time. And you never know if you're ever gonna feel this way again, if you're gonna get that chance again, if you're gonna see God this way again. But in a sense, God the Father, Isaac is like God the Father. God the Father sent Jesus out from heaven to another world for what reason? To find an assembly of peoples. To find you guys, to find us. So it's the same kind of concept. Luke 19.10, Jesus said this, and, and you know, this story is a couple thousand years before Jesus is born, but Jesus said this, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The, the Apostle Paul tells us that he came to find a bride, and the bride of Christ is, a, is, a, is the church, so we are the bride of Christ. I always have to say to guys who are new to the faith, that doesn't mean you're the girl, don't worry about that, Okay. But, but we, are, we are the bride of Christ. The David, King David wrote this, Psalm 133, one, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So God wants to form a people 
of his own. Verse six says this, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take himself a wife from there and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. He doesn't seem to care less what his mother thinks at this point in time. And, 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 he, and he doesn't see his mother's influence on Jacob. Uh, he doesn't see that he married the wrong, wrong women. So it says, verse 9, so Esau, this is mainly sort of a, a meanwhile back at the ranch kind of thing. So Esau went to Ishmael, that would be his uncle, who was Isaac's older brother from the disaster with Abraham and his servant woman, um, and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. So he's already got some wives, and he's taking more wives. So with, with Esau, it appears that he tries here to do the right thing, but he fails. Uh, Esau lived his entire life without God, and when you live with your entire life with a God, it will affect all of your choices. So he just does what's right in his own mind, and the end of that way is death, the Bible tells us. Now we get into Jacob. Verse 10. Now Jacob went from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he's beginning his journey to Haran. It's about a four or 500 mile journey. We know now he's gone about 50 miles. So you know, how, we don't know how long it takes him to walk 50 miles if it's rough terrain two or three days probably. And, and, and here's an interesting thing. Up until this section, there is absolutely nothing to give us any idea that Jacob has a relationship with God. Absolutely none. And that's about the change. Now, that doesn't mean things are going to be easy for him all the time. And especially right now, he's out in the wilderness all alone. What's he doing? Well, you could, on the one hand, you could say he's doing what mommy and daddy said to do. On the other hand, he knows his brother wants to kill him, so he's running for his life. And perhaps the memories of deceiving his father are starting to haunt him. You have any bad memories from the past that you just can't seem to kick? And he's, he's having trouble kicking this. And perhaps he's thinking, something's wrong with this picture. The promised land is supposed to be mine. I am leaving the promised land, and Esau is in the promised land. Uh, what happens if he puts a hit on me? <laughs> what happens if I never make it back to the promised land? And it's interesting that he is in Haran, or he's going towards Haran, and, and, the, and the Lord appeared to Abraham there, and it was there, Abraham sort of did a stop off that there that God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan, the promised land. But Jacob is on the run now. It's like he's, he's running away from all of the promises of God, all of the things that he's supposed to have. What chance does he have now of getting any of this? And it sounds hopeless. Maybe, maybe that's you right now. Maybe there's something in your life that you feel like, you're like, you know, God promised this to you. And it just seems further now than it was before. You, you were like, Jacob, you were in the land. All right, this land's going to be mine. And then all of a sudden you have to leave. So it seems like you're walking away from what it is that God promised you. And that's exactly what he's, 
he's doing right now. So he's got a long way to go. The journey is just beginning. And I wonder, as he's walking, remember he's by himself, if, if the reality of loneliness is beginning to set in. He's just very, very lonely out there. But once again, he's not alone. God is with him. Everywhere that he goes, he's just not aware of it. Before we move any further, if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to miss the fact that God is always with you, that Jesus is always with you. Now, sometimes you tell people, you know, Jesus is watching, and some people go, oh, no. Other people go, oh, that's good, <laughs> right? So he's always with you. He knows what's going on. He, he sees it. And, and I would say this, don't just assume it, like, I know that, I know that. Cherish it. Take, it. take advantage of it. Use it to grow your relationship with God closer. I know many of you, and many of you have some really tough stuff going on in your life right now. I mean, really, really tough stuff. And, and it's not easy at all. And, and you live right now in Jacob's world. What world is that? The world of the unknown future. The world of no idea what tomorrow may bring. What, what, could, what could happen? You don't have any idea of that at all. Perhaps you are discouraged. Perhaps you feel like there's just no progress or you're, go, you're moving backwards. Perhaps you, it seems to you and, and feels to you like, like all of your friends who you thought were going to help you have all given up on you. Oh, they've all turned your, their back on you. Or people just find it too difficult to try and help you. Or just, everybody's just so busy all the time. For a follower of Jesus, the reality is God has chosen you for this life that you have. Now, there are things that we do that, that kind of muck it up a little bit. Jacob's a, a case in point. But God has chosen you for this life. And when things fall apart, I think if you're really concentrating, perhaps it is in those times that you will hear the voice of the Lord louder than ever. You will hear the voice. I mean, C.S. Lewis said that, you know, God screams to us in our pain. He whispers us to us in our pleasure, and he screams to us in our pain. And so listen for the voice of God. So verse 11 says this, so he came to a certain place. Again, if you have your own Bible, for the next few verses, you might want to just circle that word place because it's going to keep coming up over and over and over again. And maybe God's trying to remind all of us it's good to have a place, a place maybe where you go to get away from things or a place where you spend time with God or you're just even in your house, a little tiny corner that you would get away and, and be with God. And he said, so when he came to the place, now that word can also mean sacred place. Place will be known as Bethel. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and it says that, then that word can also mean that he puts it under his head, can, can mean 
can also mean that he just puts it around his head. So either he's using a, a rock for a pillow, so you think your pillow stinks, maybe perhaps to keep himself awake if he hears any animals coming. Maybe he's got it for protection around his head. Like, okay, I can take it if they bite my leg, but I don't want them to, to do that. So he took one of the stones of that place, put it around his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, and when you see that word, that's always look, take notice. What, what's coming now is going to be either very important or somewhat startling. A ladder. Some of your versions say a stairway. It uh, doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I like the word stairway better because it just it, it, it gives a little bit more, it makes the illustration a little bit better as we see there's going to be angels going up and down. And, you know, a ladder's kind of narrow, like, excuse me, excuse me, um, instead of just kind of walking up and down the stairs. And so a, a ladder or a stairway was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So, so, the, so the angels are on this ladder, this stairway. As God's providence would have it, Jacob has arrived at the place where Abraham met God when he arrived at the promised land. Jacob doesn't know it. It was a long time ago. And, but here's the issue, and it's an issue for Jacob, it's an issue for many people who call themselves Christians, and it may be an issue for you. And don't feel bad about it because it's actually an issue that we encounter here at our church quite often, where people say they come here and they are Christians, and then they're here for a little while, and they say, you know what? I don't think I really am a Christian. And so Jacob has never met the Lord. The promised line of the Messiah is promised through him. His grandfather is Abraham. His father is Isaac, no Abraham for sure, but Jacob has never met the Lord. He, I mean, he heard his parents talk about Yahweh. He heard his grandparents talk about the Lord but he does not personally know the Lord. We read about the Lord appearing to the other people and talking to the other people, but, but he does not know the voice of the Lord. He's just a guy out in the wilderness, hoping the coyotes and the wolves don't get him. And so he's out there. And again, this, this may be you or someone you know I would ask you to please listen carefully to the few of the things that I want to say next. Believing in God is not the same as an experience with God. Believing in God is not the same as an experience with God. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, coming to some church service and, you know, hanging off the chandeliers. We don't do that here because we don't have chandeliers. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. It, it, believing in God is, is not the same as an encounter with God. It is just not the same. 
Believing in God is not the same as believing what God says. Plenty of people say they believe God, God, but they don't believe what God says in his book, the Bible. Now, this is something that we see a lot of in the book of Genesis. It's not just about saying you believe in God. Throughout much of Genesis, the Bible characters are confronted with, will they trust God? That's why a lot of times we substitute the word belief for trust. That the word in the Bible for belief is more similar to our word trust. Will they trust God? And it is in through trusting God is in how we come to know him. But that, that's real faith. Real faith is an experience with God. It is an encounter with God. It is trusting God. It is knowing God. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.